just lovers like we were supposed to be. At one, part one. When James Potter was 11 years old, about three quarters of the way through the first year at Hogwarts, he came to the simple and unshakable conclusion that he was and would always be in love with Lily Evans. Most 11-year-old boys were disgusted by the idea of fancying girls, but most 11-year-old boys didn't have Euphemia and Flamel Potter for parents, which meant they didn't grow up idolizing the greatest love story known and unknown to man. Because he was 11 years old, this conclusion meant that James knew this with equally simple and unshakable faith that he and Lily would end up together. He had planned their wedding out from start to finish in grand detail by the time he was 12. He was, of course, courteous enough to share this with Lily, who did not at all appreciate it, but that was alright, because James knew she'd change her mind one day. Things were starting to get a little dicey in his seventh year, though. It's the last year. He's nearly 18 years old, and while he and Lily have come far from their despising him to liking him, she still has no interest in him whatsoever. It's not as if he hasn't tried absolutely everything. He's exhausted literally every option. He tried impressing her, Peter's advice, only to make an ass of himself more often than not. He tried pretending she didn't exist, Sirius's advice, but she seemed more grateful than anything. He tried just getting to know her and being her friend first, Remus's advice, but that just made them friendly and has gotten them essentially nowhere in the romance department. He is back to the drawing board, so to speak. You know what it is? Peter asked thoughtfully. Sprawled sideways on his bed with his head hanging upside down off the edge. He's been doing this since first year because he swears it helps him think. No, Pete, that's the problem, James complains. Peter squints, then says rather decisively, She's just not into you, mate. Yes, I know that, James grumbles. But my point is that she could be. She would if, 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 Sirius prompts from Remus's bed, because he always falls in it the evening after a fall. He has been for years now, consistently, because he thinks it's an injustice that Remus would ever come back from the hospital wing and slide into a cold bed. Sirius keeps it warm for him. If James rocks his brain, looking for a proper reason, but it's particularly hard to do when he's shared so many things already. He has to, though, doesn't he? He's in love, and we don't give up on love. If I could just show her that I'm not the prat she thinks I am, you know, maybe. I thought you already did that, Peter points out. James groans and flops back on his bed. Oh, I have done that, haven't I? And, and it's good, you know? I'm so happy to be friends with her now. I love it. It's just... I just think I'm capable of more, too. Don't you think that? Sure, Prong, Sirius says, chuckling. I don't know what's wrong with me, James murmurs, eyebrows furrowed. I'd be a brilliant boyfriend. I feel like if she knew that, maybe she'd want me. Hmm. Peter scrunches up his face, deep in thought, and James peers at him hopefully, propped up on his elbows. Well, you may have a point. It's not like she knew unless she knew. Yes, exactly. Thank you, Wormtail. James hisses in delight. Sirius snorts. Well, that's your own fault, isn't it? You've never been anyone's boyfriend, so how's she to know what she's even missing? Bring her on in, Sirius, Sirius. Peter praises and Sirius winks as he tips an imaginary hat at him. James purses his lips. Right, yes, but... I don't know how to fix this issue, Merlin. I don't even know where to start. Just date someone, Sirius suggests, shrugging. What? No, James denies instantly, frowning. I can't do that. I'd be doing it under false pretenses, Sirius. 
I don't want to hurt anyone or leave anyone on. I wouldn't even be worthy of worry if I did, and I'd feel bad about it. Sirius clicks his tongue. That's true. However, James announces after a solid eight minutes of solid silence. Shooting up in his bed, I could pretend to date someone. I could, oh, oh, I could ask someone to let me be their pretend boyfriend. Don't know many girls who will go for that, me. Peter says wearily, shaking his head a little frantically. James side eyes Sirius very carefully and slowly, as casually as he can, muses, Well, there's always blokes. Oh, Sirius breaks out into a grin and lays his hand against his chest. Why, James, if you want to be my pretend boyfriend, I will absolutely... No, James bumps out quickly, inwardly bemoaning the fact that Sirius misinterpreted that so badly. Missing the bloody point, and at this point, James doesn't know how many more hints he can drop. Also, if he took Sirius at his offer, Remus would kill him. James says I have a death wish, thank you very much. No, Pat, for that's not, I mean, thank you, but I just meant, you know, blokes are an option. Just putting that out there, for that blokes are an option, for other blokes. Do you even fancy blokes, Peter asked cautiously. Well, I hardly need to fancy someone in fake dating, nor do I, James replied, shrugging. Actually, it's better if I don't, and even better if they don't fancy me. No one gets hurt that way, right? But I mean, there's a general statement that boys can fancy boys. Because they can. Sometimes they even do. Did you know that, serious? Yes, yeah, suppose I'd have to know, th know that, wouldn't I? I mean everything with regulars, Sirius trails off, and there's a slightly uncomfortable silence that treads on the moment. Everything with regulars is a severe understatement for that whole situation. The one in which, after Sirius went off to the parties in his fifth year, regulars turned around and did the same thing at the end of his own. Though he didn't exactly have much of a choice, Sirius had run away from his family because he didn't want to meet the expectations of the perfect pure-blood heir, particularly marrying someone unlikely related to and continuing on this cursed bloodline, as Sirius had not so delicately put it. Regulus, on the other hand, had been essentially kicked out. Apparently, he'd been hesitant at the, about the idea of marrying as well, and in an endeavor to not have a repeat of series with Regulus, well, that baby had slipped him over to him to get to the heart of the issue. This backfired spectacularly when, dread to tell the truth, Regulus had declared that he was quite gay. This went over very badly, and halfway into the summer, Regulus had ended up turning to the only person he suspected he had left. Despite the many issues, Sirius had immediately accepted him without hesitation and slapped down the rather simple ultimatum to Effie Monty that they either let Regulus stay or they leave with him. Of course, Effie and Monty were more than willing to take him in. This didn't change very much for James. He barely caught, caught glimpses of Regulus over the summer. Only Sirius would go into his room, and Regulus hardly ever came out of it. When he did, he was usually found in the library, and helping Monty with his potions. Regulus didn't even notice that James existed, which was fine. James was fine with it. He is fine with it. Because Regulus and Sirius have bonded, and it seems to have done them both some good. So James hardly needs to be a part of that. But no one was he tempted. He had to hold himself back repeatedly from just crashing his way into whatever they were doing or talking about. He can't help it. He's a curious person, right? Sirius was rather tight-lipped about it, but from what James had gathered, 
they've done a lot of talking about what Backlash Regulus is going to receive for the rest of his life because of this. Because of course it's not a secret anymore. Everyone knows that bloody school knows Regulus Black is gay, but I heavily suspect which is just as bad. Sirius punched someone on the train for being a prick about it, so he got detention before he'd ever made it to Hogwarts, which he mostly found amusing once he calmed down. How it's going for Regulus? Well, James doesn't know really. Regulus came back to school and just carried on, apparently as if nothing ever changed. Mostly it's just Sirius slamming into his protective big brother role that makes this entire thing an uncomfortable reminder. One wrong word about Regulus and he hits the roof. It's sort of sweet, actually. Oh, we've located another problem, Peter announces abruptly. <coughs> Peter. I've located another problem, Peter announces abruptly, breaking into the breaking the tension by changing the subject because he's sort of brilliant when he has his head dipped upside down. What's that? James asks with a sigh, because of course there's another problem. Isn't there always? Just why would she care? Peter asks. Really, I mean, she's not going to pay attention unless you're basically shoving it in your face, and then that would annoy her, so she wouldn't care to see you being a good boyfriend anyway. Sirius raises his eyebrows. Oh, that is a good point. Piss off, James runs to the top of his canopy, tilting his head back and tossing his arms up, curling his fingers like he's strangling some invisible entity. Please, just give me a break. Give me something, anything. They all fall into contemplative silence, waiting for some sort of gift from the universe, but nothing comes. It's that they're all interrupted by the door opening as Remus comes stumbling inside, thoroughly disheveled and still a bit worn out from last night. Mimi was particularly peeved off, especially with Padfoot, which James secretly suspects is just built of frustration of the sexual variety, as well as the normal sort, so it usually translates into a bad moon. Sirius and Remus have been snapping at each other a lot lately. It's stressing James out, honestly. If they just sag, Remus Sirius greets warmly, immediately standing from his bed because he always has the urge to stand whenever Remus enters a room. Sirius told James that once in fourth year. Of course, James didn't know what it meant back then, but now he does, and it's sort of pathetic. Merlin, Sirius has been smitten for ages. I thought you'd never be free of the hospital wing. I was debating coming to save you like a princess out of a tower, mate. Does that make Madame Pun for the dragon? Remus asks as he shuffles over to his bed, lips twitching. Sirius grins at him. Oh, absolutely. James wants to bang his head against the wall. He wants to take Sirius by the shoulders and shake him and shout, If you are saving the princess, then is he the prince, idiot? He wants to knock their heads together for the mutual stupidity about each other. Because they do this all the time. They fight and go into a straw, bickering and quarreling like an old married couple. And then they pretend it never even happened the next day. Remus, at least, is very aware of his feelings. Has been since the previous year, as far as James knows. That's when he told James, at least, confessing it like it was his greatest sin. James had promised Remus he wouldn't tell, which is a total order because it's serious he's not telling. And he has kept his word, but he has been dropping hints with less subtlety than a slap to the face. Sirius misses it every time. Sighing, James flips back on his bed again, and at the same time that Peter lifts himself up, gasping at Ooh, Rosie, and clutches his head. 
Remus crawls into bed with a creaky groan, but as always, he lets out a contented sigh when he undoubtedly finds it warm. Carefully, with more care than Sirius shows most things, he perches on the very edge of Remus's bed, and it's almost painful how visibly meticulous he is about not touching Remus at all, like just sitting next to Remus means something that doesn't for anyone else. James comes over because he's tired of looking at them. Just shag, just fucking shag already, he thinks furiously in their direction, but then moaning to each other back and forth, utterly oblivious. James punches his pillow, frustrated, as if he needs another bloody thing to worry about on top of his own love life issues, primarily how he doesn't have a love life with the girl he's in love with. Beside that, the mystery of vigorous black and whatever the fuck series of memes have going on, James is at the end of his rope. It swirls in his mind, off and on, separate corners, problems without solutions. It takes about ten minutes for his brain to give a faint ding. James reports upright immediately with a gasp, feeling all the problems click together like little puzzle pieces. Separate, there's no solution. Together, each problem is the solution. Oh, James blurts out because, oh, oh, he's a fucking genius. James, Peter asks, blinking at him. I've got it, James hosts, beaming around at everyone. Remus says, fucking hell, I don't even want to know. No, probably not, Sirius agrees, smiling at him softly. James twists around toward him, his heart racing in his chest, hands shaking with excitement the way they do when he's come up with a brilliant plan. This is undoubtedly among them. Sirius, can I borrow your brother? Borrow him, Sirius's eyebrows fall as he glances up. James with a frown, and it takes him a moment. He blinks, and his eyebrows fly up. Would you want him to be up? He's perfect, James declares. Sirius looks skeptical. You hardly know him? Not so. That's not the important bit, remember? He would be more shocking than him, James argues. Wait, Zacchaeus? Peter gasps out, finally getting it. Regulus Black, are you mental prawns? That's no way we believe that. You'd be the talk of the whole school. James nods eagerly. Exactly, Peter. Alright, I've decided it's crucial that I know. Remus matters properly. His elbows, his legs curl up and bump into Sirius's hip, which makes him freeze in place, as if someone's just put him in a body bind. James, uh, James half expects him to drop like a stone off the side of the bed. What are you planning, and how does it involve Sirius's little brother? Well, if Sirius will give me an answer, James insists, waving his hands wildly to make Sirius blink. Mm -hmm. Right, sure, sure. Sirius mumbles, gaze trailing down to where Remus's knee is still pressing into his thigh, apparently very distracted by the contact. Who knows, you could be a good influence on him. Brilliant, James says happily, pleased with the outcome. Will someone tell me what's going on? Remus eyes narrowing, genuinely getting irritated now. Peter snorts. It is in some stormies and money, that's what. Thank you for that vote of confidence, Pete. James huffs, then shakes the elf so he can smile at Remus. What's happening is that I'm about to date Regulus Black. Remus stares at him, then lays back down and turns over entirely as he says very simply, Nope, I'm not doing this today. Are you going to sleep now, Sirius? Mumbles, frowning down at his thigh now that Remus's knee is no longer touching it. He glances at Remus's back and sighs. Mooney, Moons, Moonbeam, Moonshine. Are you really going to sleep, Mum? Moon, 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 
monster must have known what serious when the snaps serious jumps a little than hoofs. Well, if you'd answer me to start with, then you're obviously I'm going to sleep, you cunt. Don't call me a cunt, cunt. Well, stop being a cunt. If anyone's being a cunt, James tosses up his hands yet again and flops back onto his bed yet again. But this time, he fumbles for his wand to flick it at the his bed hanging at almost the exact same time that Peter does, and they likely throw up several same times in unison as well. Sirius and Remus can go for hours once they started. Instead of listening to them, they do all little dance. Well, the only sort of release they get from all the pent-up feelings is just bickering, rather than the obvious shagging they should be doing. James lays back on his bed in a blissful silence and closes his eyes, thinking hard about his plan. Step one, Regulus Black. James has failed step one. Regulus Black is laughing at him. Then, with a suddenness that's startling, the laughter cuts off as Regulus's face falls flat. He says, no, before he turns right around and walks away. James splatters for a second and springs forward to rush after him. No, why not? You don't even let me finish. I don't need to, Regulus replies simply. The answer is no. Well, that's hardly fair, is it? James mutters petulantly, lips tipping down in a frown. You're not letting me make my argument. It's a very good argument. I don't care to hear it. Aren't you the least bit curious? Regulus snorts. I've literally never been less curious about anything in my life, Porter. Whatever you're planning, whatever jokes this is, I want no part of it. No, no, wait! James says in a rush, jogging ahead a few steps to swing back around in front of Regulus. This isn't a joke. I'm not taking the piss or playing the prank. I genuinely want to be your fake boyfriend. What the bloody hell even is a fake boyfriend? Regulus asks, his eyes narrowing into slits. James purses his lips. Well, it's... It's like a real boyfriend, except we don't actually fancy each other. Then why would we fake a relationship? Well, I was about to get to that bit before you really interrupted and flounced off dramatically. Don't mistake my incredulity with curiosity. I'm just appalled by your audacity and I'm beginning to question your intelligence. I've assumed, incorrectly it seems, that you'd have to be at least a little smart, considering who your parents are, but I should know better than most not to judge people based on their families, shouldn't I? Regulus says, all snark, and then he swings around James and starts walking away again. How are you pricking us and us at the same time? James mutters as he once again jogs after him, back of the whole there. I mean, you just insult me and compliment my pants all at once. It's actually impressive. Go away, Potter, Regulus says flatly. Call me James, you live in my bloody house for my own sake, James replies exasperated. And just so you know, there's a reason behind all this. Multiple reasons, actually. Do you want them chronologically or in order of importance? I don't want them at all. Let's start with how it'll benefit Sirius. Regulus suddenly comes to a screeching halt and whirls him towards him, eyes flashing. Did he put you up to this? What? No, it's my idea. He knows that I told him. You told him. Of course, he's my best mate. 
Yoon says, and Rigorous rolls his eyes so hard his head tips as he swings around and starts walking again. Hassan James catches up yet again, making sure to keep pace with him. Anyway, I think it would be good for him to be exposed to this sort of thing. This sort of thing, Regulus repeats, audibly suspicious. James closes his throat and trills carefully, needing to be very delicate about this. Yes, as in too mandating, even if it is fake. Like, you know, prolonged exposure to help them come around to the idea that it's possible. Are you saying... Are you trying to say my brother hasn't come around to it? What? Oh, you mean... No, 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 that's not what I meant. Meant? Meant. Fuck. He's... I mean, obviously he's aware that a bloke fancying another bloke is possible. Because you, but I mean past that. Do you know what I mean? You're talking about this thing looping, aren't you? Regulus asks him, arching an eyebrow, and James instantly internally panics. Some of it must read on his face because Regulus's lips twitch sli slightly. I'd have to be stupid to miss it, especially being a man who prefers the company of other men myself. You s your solution to Sirius being an oblivious idiot is to pretend to date his little brother? Really? I'm just saying, sometimes people get a clue and they have an idea of what something looks like. James mumbles with a defensive frown. He thought it was a brilliant idea, but Regulus is, is looking at him like he's an idiot. That's literally the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. You're very negative. Has anyone ever told you that? I prefer the term realistic, Regulus says, waving a hand casually. Logical is an acceptable alternative. Fine, moving along. Let's talk about how this is beneficial for you, James declares, powering on. Regulus raises both eyebrows at him this time. He has very expressive eyebrows, James is learning. In what possible way could this be beneficial to me? I have a list. Do you want it alphabetically or in order from least best to most best? Now you are prepared, aren't you? Regulus says sarcastically, and James grins helplessly, a little bored by the banter. Go on then, tell me how you've linked it. Least best, but still a benefit nonetheless, is that I'm quite liked by a lot of people in the school, which means that you'll be granted the same positivity by extension. That is not a benefit, that sounds like torture. I want people to leave me alone, not find no reasons to pester me. No, and you never look on the bright side of anything in your life, have you? It's not my first instinct, no. James heaves to say, Fine, next then, as the only gay person in Hogwarts, I'm not the only gay person in Hogwarts. Well, yeah, I know, let me finish, would you? As the only gay person in Hogwarts that everyone knows is gay, you'll be making something of a statement having a boyfriend. In fact, you'll be making history, probably, just by having a shameless relationship. You'll be standing up for yourself and others like you, loud and proud. You could even end up encouraging others to be themselves and start living in the open, which should be normal anyway. Isn't that lovely? And when someone tries to kill me for it, Regulus prompts calmly, tilting his head a little, his pace slowing. When I beg your fucking pardon? James blurts out, breaking out in a scowl immediately after. Someone tried to kill you? When? Who was it? Regulus slows to a complete stop, lips tipping down. No one has. That's just my reality, Potter. That's what I have to watch out for and be constantly aware of. Has someone hurt you? James mutters. 
Most people know better, Rayo's replies calmly, but his lips press into a thin line. It's fine, I can handle myself. Well, as a fake boyfriend, I would absolutely be willing to beat the ever-living shit out of someone for bothering you about that. Also, just in general, by the way, any time, any place, James tells him not at all joking. See us as well, of course, then there's Remus and Peter, who would absolutely would as well. Just, if something ever happens and you need help, find one of us. I said I can handle myself, regular snaps. I don't need help. That sounds exactly like something someone who needs help would say, you know? You are infuriating. Has anyone ever told you that? James chuckles. I prefer the term endearing. Charming is an acceptable alternative. Oh, please, regular skull, shaking his head before he turns and sets off yet again. Next time the lift, James continues, keeping up with him from the start this time. He's learning to anticipate his cues. We get to experience having a boyfriend. What? Well, your guy, you must want to know what it's like to date a bloke, even if it's not actually real. Radius comes in a world halt again, staring at him in genuine disbelief. How does your head not drag the ground as big as it is, Potter? Why on earth would I want to experience having a boyfriend I don't even want? You go around dating girls just to see what it's like, even if you don't fancy them? No. So why would it be any different for me? Well, it won't be, really. But I just mean... James frowns, trying to find the right words for this. It's like this, yeah? Everyone else gets to do these things. They get to hold hands and go and dates the hogs made them and brace in the hallways. Why shouldn't you get to just because you fancy men? I know I know precisely who you want, but I think you should get to do as little or as much as you like, just as everyone else does. But what's the point if it's not with someone I want to do it with? Regulus insists. Though the edge to his voice has softened considerably, less angry now. Still annoyed though. You might not want to do it with me, but it'd still be nice. Wouldn't it getting to do it just like everyone else? Surely it wouldn't be torture, James grumbles. You're offended. Why are you offended? How do you have any right to be offended right now? It's just, I mean, you're acting like I'm a true regulus. More and more, gone of both. You're offended because you think I don't find you appealing, regulus says, having a soft laugh for disbelief. James scratches his, the side of his neck. Do you find me appealing? I'm not doing with this you. I'm not doing this with you. Not today, not ever. Find someone else to stroke your ego. Regulus mutters, starting to turn again. But James snaps his hand out to catch his arm. What the fuck is so off-putting about me? James blurts out in genuine distress. Will someone just tell me what I'm doing wrong? Before being small statements, because apparently I'm too much of a fucking idiot to understand otherwise. Self-deprecation is not attractive for one thing, Regulus says dryly, flicking his arm flippantly, hitting James's hand on his arm with a mild, wordless, stinging jinx. James yelps and snatches his hand back, but Regulus doesn't seem sympathetic in the least. Also, you're very misleading. You've promised a list of benefits, and so far, you've failed to name even one. I haven't made that name multiple. You're simply a tough crowd due to your cynicism. James says, frowning and rubbing the back of his hand. Fine, here's the best one. I'm going to absolutely spoil you. 
Regulus blinks. Spoil me. Yes, as your fake boyfriend, I'm going to treat you as if I'm a real one, which means I'm going to spoil you as the pretend object of my affections. Not an object. Bloody hell, Regulus, it's a phrase. A common kind of phrase. Obviously, you're not an object. James resists the urge to reach up and rub his temples. Maybe he needs to reevaluate re this plan. Ten minutes with Regulus and he already has a fucking headache. But no, no. James loves the challenge. This is fine. It'll be fine. As the pretend person of my affections, you'll be the recipient of the full James Potter love interest package, which means you'll get whatever you damn well want, and it will come with the deluxe offer of keeping me as a very loyal friend when it's all over. You have me, and then you lost me, Regulus says. James tosses his hands up. There's just no pleasing you. No, no, no. It's fun to let you try, though. I'm moving past this because I feel like I'm about to tear my head out. It's like trying to get blood out of a sodding stone. That's what talking to you is like. Actually, I have better luck in blood out of a stone at this point. And yet you keep trying. Regulus mocks slightly. You'd be doing me a huge favor, James continues, ignoring Regulus being a prat. Because, well, you see... He takes a deep breath, then lets it out. You know Lily Evans, yeah? Sure. I don't know if you're aware, but I'm hopelessly in love with her. I've been in love with her since I was 11. I'll be in love with her until I'm dead. She's eight, you know? She's the one. There'll never be anyone else but her for me. Lily is stared at him for a beat, then says, Are you waiting for me to care? You are so mean, James complains, practically whining. I just don't understand why you think that would matter me as someone who doesn't care about you or Lily Evans, and also as a man who doesn't fancy women at all. It's not as if I can relate, Regulus tells him. James groans. What does that have to do with anything? You can relate to love, if nothing else. It's not about who you love. The important bit is the love. No, I can't relate to that either. I've never been in love. Oh. Well... I'm sure you'll experience it one day. Yay, Regulus says monotonously. Oh no, and James chokes out, trying desperately not to laugh. But he can't really help it. Regulus's deadpan expression and dry tone in his delivery tickles something in James that makes it impossible for him to not find him humorous. Regulus watches him laugh, seemingly bored of the sight, and looks away. If you're in love with Lily Evans, why exactly are you asking to be my fake boyfriend? He suddenly glances at James sharply, eyes narrowed into slits. If you're trying this in some ridiculous attempt to make her jealous? No, no, of course not, James says quickly, sh shaking his head frantically. That's not the goal at all. I'd never want her to feel bad, no. What I'm aiming for here is to show her that I'd be a great boyfriend. We're friends, you know, but... I think she doesn't see me as anything else because I've never really been anything else to anyone. How is she to know that she's miss what she's missing if she's never seen it? I... Regulus stares at him, mouth hanging open in vague dismay, eyebrows furrowed. It takes him a moment, but then he shakes his head, his face smoothing out. You know, when you get a chocolate frog, and you bust a seal, but you don't grab the frog in time, so it's just hopping about like mad. That's what your brain is like, Potter. James frowns. Wait, 
that's actually a really good discussion of what it feels like sometimes, actually. I swear, it's like it hops away from me, you know, and it's my sodden head. Have you considered that Ethens doesn't see you as anything other than a friend because she doesn't see you as anything other than a friend? Megumus asks, emphasizing the words like he's planning them, like explaining them to a toddler. But what if she could see me as more if I showed her that I can be more? James insists. She used to despise me, really, and then I had to show her that I'm not the arrogant prat that she thought I was. And then we became friends. What? What if it's the same situation as that, but just the next level of it, yeah? Regulus closes his eyes and shakes his head again, looking pain, then he opens them and sighs. And your solution to this is me, pretending to be my boyfriend. Yeah, it's actually bloody brilliant if you think about it. Everyone will be will leave happy. I'm going to fifty my way to falling in love, James announces grandly, sticking his hands out and waving it through the air like he's presenting a banner. This is your very good argument? Yes. Right. Regulus pauses then hums. Dance is dinner. James's mouth drops open. But no Regulus repeats, then turns away and walks away yet again, completely ignoring as James rushes to keep up with him. As soon as James opens his mouth to protest, Regulus cuts in to interrupt with a thumb. I said it no. I'm beginning to think you don't know the meaning of the word. It's not a definition I'm overly familiar with. No, Potter. That's a word in which I'm telling you in one syllable and two letters to piss off. I've already told you, Regulus. Call me James, would you? Also, can you at least... James cuts himself off when Regulus turns abruptly and sits down at a desk. He gives a violent blink and looks around in surprise to find that he's followed Regulus into a classroom, which has multiple other students Southern and Ravenclaw settling in. Mr. Potter, comes the sharp voice that makes him jolt and immediately lean casually against the desk, aiming for a leaf as he braces his hand in front of Regulus and turns to flush Professor McGonagall a broad grin. The last I checked, Mr. Potter, you're not a six-faced Slytherin or Ravenclaw, so pray tell, why are you in my classroom at the moment? Oh, I, um, I thought it would be productive for me to get a hands-on review of what I've learned from the excellent tutelage over the years, but specifically, James raises his arm to scratch the side of his head, darting a quick glance at a regular's parchment where he has some notes scrawled out in neat handwriting. But specifically, Creamer's Mortal. Oh, oh <laughs> yes, I did enjoy that lesson, if you remember very much. So, you know, why not do it again? Everyone stares at him, Professor McGonagall heaves a sigh like he's very tired. Porter? Yes, Professor? Get out. Yes, Professor, James mumbles, his shoulders drooping as he pushes himself up and shuffles away. Then he gives one final glance back. Regulus's lips are curled up at the corners and a tiny secret smile that fills James with a new wave of determination. I told you, Sirius, lazily picking up Peter's shoes to dump them out of the middle of the hallway. James frowns and rubs his hand over his hair, staring down at the map that spread out on his bed in front of him. You did tell me. He's so mean, Sirius. Why is he so mean? It's an environmental thing, I assume. Too much exposure to shit people. It starts to sink in, Sirius replies shortly. So you're giving up then? I told you I'd help you out and let you be my fake boyfriend, mate. Cheers, but 
This feels personal now, James mumbles. I rest for a resin folds up another flap of the map to squint through the crowds of maids all clustered together. I'm going to make your little brother my third boyfriend if it's the last thing I do. Oi, what's his favorite sweet? Not sure anymore. If it's the same as when he was nine, it'd be fitting his bees. He said that they made him float. Always did have a thing for flying. Sarah's murmurs, saying slightly sound as he shuffles over to to begin organizing the stacks of James's books on the sand. Fitting whispers, fitting whispers, fitting whispers, James chants under his breath, trying to remember so he can pick some up at the next Hogsmeade trip. A moment later, the rest of Sirius's words catch up to him, making him gasp and dive for the map to swivel it around and scan it in an entirely different area than he was looking at to start with. Oh, there you are. Brilliant, Sirius. You're brilliant. I'm tight, Sirius Teelis, glancing over at him as he moves around to fix the lopsided pillowcase on Remus's pillow. He raises his eyebrows when James scrambles up from his bed and starts collecting his things quickly. Heading off, it's getting late. Catch isn't too far away now. Remus will eventually come wandering in with Peter. I know, I know, James says quickly. I'll be careful. If not, well, let's remind attention, really. Sirius snores and salutes him. Too late. Going with the threads, yeah? Going with the spine made of iron, that one. So be prepared to put in the work. It's a real kind of black treat, sadly. I've been handling you for seven years, Sirius, so I think I've got this. James says with an unearned confidence. I'll be the bloody expert on the Black Brothers. Mark my words. Well, one day, one to go, Sirius replies, amused. James grins at him and finishes gathering the rest of the his things before making the break for it. He nearly knocks Mary over in the common room and has to apologize, dipping in to kiss her cheek before darting off again when Mary calls after him that he's fucking mental, which that's a fair assessment. Sprinting through the castle gather so lot of attention when the crowds are thin like this. Before those who know him, it's not a surprising occurrence. He does pass past Professor Sprout at one point, who doesn't even bother to tell him to stop running through the holes. She used to, but she gave up around his body, uh, most professors have. It's so cold outside that he has to stop and cast a warning charm, but that brief pause doesn't cost him much. He makes it down to the pitch just as the Slytherin team is making their way back inside, notably short one player. They ignore him, so he ignores them just the same, though he's running too fast for it to really matter. Regulus is still flying the fucking lunatic, even past the time slot for the, the Slytherins to practice. It's maybe half an hour before he has to come down and make it back to his dorm and have a curfew, if that. Isn't he cold? He must be, and yet he lazily loops around the pitch like he has nothing else better to do. Merlin, he really loves flying, doesn't he? Well, at least James can relate to that. He loves it too. Blowing out a deep breath that causes a cloud of fog to drift off in front of his mouth, James stuffs his hands in his pockets and bounds off to borrow one of the school's brooms, seeing as he left his own in the dorm. He knows he is forgetting something in his haste to get down here. While the rooms provided by the school aren't necessarily the best, they do for this. He just needs to get into the air. You again, the lawyer says with a sigh five minutes later. Once again, James has, in fact, found his way into the air and immediately flown to join Regulus in leaving the pitch. Me again, James confirms, grinning. Regulus is bright-eyed and pink-cheeked from the cold, his hair fluffed from the wind. Fancy meeting you here. Potter, this isn't an unforeseen altercation. You literally came out of Europe here to bother me. Regulus tells him flatly. 
James, won't you call me James? Won't you go away? Clicking his tongue, James gently bumps his room closer, careful not to bump into Regulus. I will, eventually. First, I've done some thinking. Have you? I understand that it must be difficult. It must have been a difficult time for you, but what does it have to do with me? Well, there's no need to be rude. In any case, I've been thinking about why you say no. Oh, this should be entertaining. Regulus draws to a slow halt, hovering in place in the air. He leans back on his broom with his thighs gripping his perch, arms crossed. It looks casual, effortless. Go on, then. Alright, I have another list, James states. Regulus cocks his head. Oh, there's more than one reason. Yes, definitely. Interesting. Come on. Right, James clears his throat. So, first, you're worried about science, I think. Goodness, you're off to a good start, aren't you? Regulus says, his voice dripping with sarcasm. Are you joking? Why would I care what Sirius thinks? Uh, he's your brother? So? And I'm his best mate? So? James closes his lips. Well, that could be an issue, for you I mean, since I'm so close to him and you'd be fake dating me. But allow me to set your mind at ease. My mind has never been at ease, not once in my life. And nothing you could say could ever change that. But do continue. I want something to laugh about later. As I told you before, Sirius already knows, and he thinks it's a good idea. Whatever reservations you have involving Sirius, set them aside. He supports our relationship entirely. We don't actually have... And I can promise that I won't do nothing while only Sirius. Sirius is baby brother and not as your own person. I'd ask the same of you, of course, to be seen as more than Sirius's very handsome best mate. Remus Lupin is a handsome one, my relative informs him, not even blinking. I... James opens and closes his mouth. You know, that's fair, actually. So, which one am I? The annoying one. Oh, well, only yet. What about Peter? Remus pauses, then says, the tolerable one. High praise coming from you. I'm very aware. Right, well... Oh, you're just flying away, James. Here's a sign. Watch as Regulus continue his loop. Shaking his head, James leans forward to catch up with him. Aren't you cold? I'm used to it, as all Regulus says. You must really enjoy flying, James amuses. No, I do it so much because it's tortured, Regulus replies, rolling his eyes. James can't help it. He breaks out into a grin. Genuinely, Regulus is so fucking funny at t sometimes. You're brutal during Quidditch, you know. I wasn't aware you did it recreationally. Flying? Mm-hmm. It's soothing, Regulus murmurs, leaning back on his broom to come to a stop again. For a moment, he just swivels his hand and looks around, his face tilted up slightly. The wind rustling his hair. He looks like he could be on a Quidditch poster, the kind that the girl doll crowd around and giggle over. It's then stopping on the ground. Feels like you're this part of the world that way. Like you can exist somewhere else. Suppose it is, yeah, James agrees idly, looking around slowly and trying to see the world the same way that Regulus does. The castle is beautiful at twilight, but the forbidden forest lurks in the dark corner and the black lake letters with depths that reflect its namesake. And well, the views are lovely. Yeah, Regulus says softly. And James glances over to find Regulus looking right at him, but only for a moment. 
He turned suddenly and dived right for the ground, making James groan and follow him. Bloody hell, why is he always running? Can't we stay put? James complains as soon as he makes it to the ground. Regulus is already heading for the castle. I've places to be, Potter. James, it's James, would you bloody call me? Are you still in that room then? Regulus cuts him casually, swiveling his head to arch an eyebrow at him. James glances down at the broom in his hand, which he was just carrying off towards the castle in the endeavor to keep up with Regulus. Shit, uh, you wouldn't happen to be willing to wait for me, would you? Better luck next time, Regulus tells him, lips twitching as he turns and starts walking away. Or not, preferably. You're cruel and unusual, Regulus Black, and this isn't over, James calls after him. We've be continuing this discussion. Good night, James, Regulus calls back. Good, hey, you call me and you're gone. James says in a quick succession. Then he blows up a deep breath and tends to put away the barrel bin before making his way back inside. On the way to his dorm, he goes at detention, but really, he finds himself thinking it was worth it. Next time, James finds Regulus sitting in the open room next to the courtyard on a surprisingly nice afternoon. Despite the snow that blew up in the previous night, it's pretty, making the ground glimmer crystals with the sunlight streaming in over the layer of light that blankets the ground. Regulus is perched against the open arch, his back to it with his legs straight out in front of him, ankles crossed. He has a book in his lap, but his head is turned as he watches the hustle and bustle of students moving about in the courtyard. James, who's walking with Marlene, Lily, and Peter, slows to a halt and backs up a few steps, eyebrows furrowed. Distracted, he mutters, Oh, you like Glenn, I catch up later, yeah? He doesn't wait for an answer. He turns and jogs over to where Regulus is. He's almost unnoticed, sitting in the stone alcove the way he is. Somehow, James is almost sure that he likes the privacy of it. Regulus doesn't notice James at first. So James has enough time to reach out and pluck the book out of his loose grip, turning it around to see the cover, Sonnets of a Sorcerer. The title makes James' eyebrows rise, and he looks up to see Regulus scowling at him. Hasn't anyone ever told you to not touch what isn't yours? Regulus asks sharply, leaning forward to snatch the book away from James's hands, shutting it with a snap. Technically speaking, it's not yours either, James counters. Lips stretching into a broad grin. That's mine, you little thief. You stole it from the library at home. I was going to return it, obviously. I'm just not stealing. Just borrowing it, Regulus retorts defensively, dragging his, the book closer to himself. And it's not yours just because it was in the library in your home. It's your mum's and dad's books, really. And I know for a fact they won't mind. James chuckles and reaches out to pull open the front cover, tapping his small scroll of his initials. J.F.P. Actually, it is mine, I'll have you know. You read? Oh, piss off, yes, I read. Poetry, Regulus asks skeptically. On purpose? You're a wanker, James tells him, batting back a laugh as he reaches out to grab the book. Regulus relinquishes it, though he doesn't look too pleased about it. Relax, I'll give it back, hold on, I'm finding my favorite sonnet. When he does, the one about Quidditch? No, it's my second favorite, honestly. Ah, uh, here we are. Regulus blinks. You're going to shh. James up, holds up a finger and closes the throat. Listen, I... My uncommon love knows no bounds for you. 
How I perceive the world before my eyes. Over the stream, there is nothing to do. You beguile me, leave me lost in my sighs. I have lost myself in the storm of you. Easy be it the gentle pounding of rain. The whipping winds of your lips is my view. A fool for you, your heart I can't gain. Don't leave me in this chasm of my love. I grant I can't escape my endless want. And blindness by skies, I find you above. The cold ghost of your kiss is the only haunt. I will ache the echo in my long sleep. You are the real the one I wish to keep. You do know that sonnet is about loving someone who doesn't love the author back, don't you? Regulus asks, tilting his head a little bit. Yeah, I know, James mumbles. But there's something so moving about it, isn't there? To love without requiring anything back is the purest form, isn't it? I find it beautiful. It's sad, Regulus says, I press forward. Unrequited love is sad. It's meant to make you sad, you numpty. Did you just call me a numpty? James chokes out, grinning helplessly in amusement. Oh, shut up, Regulus rolls his eyes and snatches the book back with a huff. What do you want, anyway? Well, now I want to know your favorite, James sneezes, gesturing to the book. I haven't read them all, so I couldn't possibly pick one yet. What's your favorite so far, then? I don't have one, Regulus says simply. James clicks his tongue and runs up against the stone column by Regulus's feet, eyeing him curiously. Alright, sure. What are you doing sitting in here by yourself? Watching people? Just watching them? Yes, Regulus tells him. Why? James asks, face scrunching. Regulus draws his thumb over the edge of the book, the tiny nation drying James's eyes for a moment, but he looks back up when Regulus speaks. Come here. What is it, James? Re raises his eyebrows and pushes forward as Regulus holds out a hand, gently cupping James's arms to pull him to where he can see out into the courtyard. Regulus is looking out at everyone, so James says the same. What are you meant to be looking at? Do you see those three girls by the fountain? Er, uh, yeah. All three of them fancy the same boy, but they obviously care about their friendship because none of them are mentioning it. The boy is playing exploding snaps with his mate over there on the cobblestones. He doesn't even know they exist, Regulus explains, lifting his free hand to gesture to each person he's talking about. Oh, James says, sucking in a desire. In a sharp breath, that's a disaster waiting to happen. Regulus hums in vague agreement. Over there, do you see that girl and the boy studying together? Yeah. They fancy each other, but they're both too shy to do anything about it. Their fingers bumped between the book earlier, and the poor boy turned bright red, but the girl was too busy hiding a smile to notice. Oh, that's actually adorable. It's sickening, but alright. Over there in the corner, that bloke likes to draw, but he's ashamed of it. Every time someone walks by, he has what he's doing. Why would he be ashamed of that? Either he isn't very good, or he'll be worried or be teased for it. Both options are equally probable. And her, James Mummers, nodding towards a girl waving along, looking frustrated. What's that all about? From what I've gathered, she's struggling with charms, but all her friends are very good at them, so she wants to impress them by doing well too. She looks young, doesn't she? Either first or second year. It'll probably take until fourth or fifth year for her to either ask for help, or get new friends that won't judge her for needing it, Regulus explains. And 
Um, James continues gesturing towards a group of students shuffling through the courtyard. Oh, they all hate each other, but none of them have realized it yet. The bloke there in the end is too loud for the rest, and the girl in the middle cares too much about her hair for the blokes, and the two boys in the end just don't get on. I think it's one of those cases where they all meet in first year and they thought they meant to be friends for life, never branching out from each other. Makes for a shitty seven years at Hogwarts now, don't you think? Riddle shakes his head. They have to at least be in fourth year, so that's four years they've wasted that they can't get back. Suppose they've done they don't see a point in drifting apart this late, but I suppose it's worse for them not to. James glances over at him. What else? Mm, there's Professor Spikehorn, who has the structural integrity of a slug, so he's just walking by and doing nothing while those two boys bully that girl for wearing mismatched socks. I think she's colorblind, though. How do you know? She gets her books mixed up as well, has to check the titles to be sure she's picked the right one out for that, and most know by the shade, by shade which one they've grabbed. Go on. There's a wand under that bench over there. A boy sat it down earlier, then it rolled off underneath when he jumped up and ran after his friends. Lois jerks his chin towards it, but James doesn't look away from him. I imagine he's going to spell looking for it now. James is immediately fascinated by how much vigorous knows, how much he's observed, and how he seems to genuinely enjoy it. Being on the outside of things, seeing it all and doing nothing to join in, at peace with being on the sidelines as a silent audience to the working cause of the Hogwarts students' populace. There's something oddly solemn about it, at least for James, but Regulus seems sincerely content with it. Why don't you ever say anything to them? Stop the boy before he runs away from his wound, at least, James murmurs. That would be a common courtesy, wouldn't it? Regulus looks over at him. I don't really shout, and he was too far away from me to look anything less like a fool if I were to try to get his attention. I'll turn around into the tide of house on my way outside, if no one else does. He's a Ravenclaw. And you? James asks. Regulus narrows his eyes. What about me? Well, you've learned all these things about these people by just observing them. What would you learn about yourself if you were to observe Regulus Black from afar? James prompts, turning his head to look side to wait, helpless to Caius. Regulus Black, a boy who was previously reading before James Potter, the bloke with too much hair, decided to interrupt him, Regulus says dryly. James reaches up to grab a hand to rub a hand over his hair. I've just met her, thank you very much. Besides, that's not fair. You're observing all these things about people they never want anyone else to know. What is it you wanna want anyone to know, Regulus? And why would I tell you? You told me about everyone else. I'm not everyone else, Regulus points out. I never claim to be fair. Alright, James says slowly. What about me then? What do you observe about me that I don't want anyone else to know? Regulus arches an eyebrow. First, I would have to observe you willingly, and I'm no interest in doing so. Superficially, I can gather that you're here to pester me about the ludicrous idea you have your heart set on. Though, if I'm honest, that's mostly just an educator guess. You're correct, James admits. I've the next reason on the list, seeing as you don't agree with the last one. Ah, my daily entertainment. Go on. You can't act. Ah, uh, 
I can't act, Regulus repeats slowly. James nods with a sigh. You don't think you'll be able to pull it off because you're not good at pretending. And you know, this one is fair. There'll be no point if you can't make it believable in the first place. Ah, I see. But I bet you're just selling yourself short, I'm sure. Regulus abruptly turns and swings his legs over the side of the wall, letting them dangle by James' hip. He sets the book aside and places his hands on the wall, looking at James with his eyebrows furrowed. Do you want to know the truth, James? About... about the real reason I can't do this. Actually, yes, that'd be helpful, James says. You say it wouldn't be torture, Regulus whispers, his eyes soft and sad in a way James had never seen before. But for me, it would be. It's not your fault. You haven't done anything wrong. It's just... He swallows and blinks, and in the next second his eyes are watering. James is instantly horrified by the sight of tears gathering in a thick layer on his eye line, threatening to tip over. It's just that I've loved you since I was 11 years old, and I saw you on the train. From that very first glimpse, I fell in love with you. So pretending, I wouldn't be pretending, James. Do you understand? Oh fuck, James blurts out, eyes bulging, guilt immediately rattling his frame. No, I, I didn't know I had not. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I didn't. I would have never even suggested this if I knew. I knew, I knew you're lovely, truly, but I'm. I'm. Regulus blinks, the tears falling, and then he starts laughing. It's low and soft, a quiet thing that feels oddly warm against James' skin. It's also very startling, considering the moments prior. You're so fucking gullible. Do you know that? Do, do you just believe everything that everyone tells you? Do you trust everyone and everything? Well, James spills out, still a bit frazzled, and now he's horrified. Did you just... Of course I didn't fall in love with you when I was 11. Fucking hell, who even does that? Regulus speaks, still chuckling, his eyes sparkling with humor, shining more obviously after the tears. Whatever my reasons for saying no, trust that my acting abilities aren't one of them. You just, Regulus, you just cried on command, James says incredulously. Like, really? Actual tears? He reaches out and swipes one of the tears from Regulus's cheek with his pointer finger, staring at in disbelief. This is a literal teardrop, an unfairly believable one, mind you. It's genuinely a bit scary that you can do that. How the fuck did you do that? I can't believe you actually thought. Well, how was I supposed to know you were pretending? You started bleeding crying. Don't do that. You scared the piss out of me. Did I? Regulus melts and hops down from the wall, grabbing the book. Well, no, no, no. I can pretend perfectly well. I just refuse to. I... The answer is still no. Now, if you'll excuse me, or even if you don't, I have to be off. Take that one to Professor Flitwick, why don't you? Well, I thought you were... Oh, I will, but you see, I'm relying on your sense of honor. To need to do it so I can slip away before you can follow and continue bothering me. Until next time, Potter. James groans, watching the as w- walk away, torn between following him and turning the London. Knowing what needs to be done for the first... For the poor bloke, he lost it. If Regulus won't, then James has to. Huffing, James calls out, That's James to you! Regulus turns a corner without looking back. James goes back for the wand.